Communication is vital to becoming the best version of oneself, but oftentimes that battle of discrimination versus accommodation decides who wins and who loses. Anne Frisch is our next special guest, and now I'm going to let her do some of the talking. Hi, Anne. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, professionally, I um, am a special education specialist, I guess would be the easiest way to say it. I work for Wichita Public Schools and I am a one-stop shop for all things special education for four elementary schools and one K through eight school. I also direct a couple of tier three curriculums, which are curriculums geared towards our most needy learners. I have a master's degree in education with emphasis in special education. I'm certified in general education, K through nine, special education K through six and English um, as a second language education K through 12. Okay, so um, if you missed all of that, Anne is more than qualified to speak on this topic and she's just kind of a superstar. So in your opinion, what are accommodations and what is discrimination in education? So in special education, we talk about accommodations and modifications a lot. And a really easy way to differentiate between the two is that an accommodation is what you do for the person and a modification is what you do to the work. Got it. So I was completely wrong, but now you corrected my terminology. Okay, go. <laughs> so an accommodation is something that we provide to the student to level the playing field, basically. Okay. So we have obviously different students that have different needs. Everybody has special needs. I have special needs. You have special needs. Some of us have more needs than others. And what we do with accommodations is we try to figure out what the student needs so that they can be successful in the general education curriculum. Sure. Every student is a general education student first. Some students have a need for special education, but they're still a general education student first. Sure. So we're going to give them what they need to level that playing field so they can access that general education curriculum and ultimately be successful. All right. So typically I feel like People think of special education in the terms of children with autism, things like that. How does this apply to kids with kids or teenagers or young adults, all of the above? How does this apply to people that have a chronic illness? A chronic illness can cause a need for special education, whether that be something like attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or a physical need, autism um, is, is a, a widely known one. There's a lot. Um, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act is our, govern, our governing laws in which special education functions under. And there are many exceptionalities that are under that umbrella of IDEA. Um, and that is how a student is determined to qualify for special education. If they are um, trying to think of the right word, I don't want to say labeled, but if they are deemed to fall in the parameters under one we of those We can just embrace it for what yeah. We're hella labeled. Uh, <laughs> that's just what we are. So um, if, for example, since I wasn't diagnosed until, so, well, super freaking ADHD and we my mom wanted me diagnosed at two years old and my doctor is like we can't medicate her yet we can't medicate her yet um so, which I would agree with the doctors on that yeah yeah they waited till I was the ripe age of seven 
like that is old enough. We will poison her body with a lot of Adderall, not necessarily poison. That was a joke. I really like my Adderall, but uh, <laughs> it's prescribed. But we digress. Uh, yes, exactly. So I had accommodations for ADHD and OCD, um, more so the ADHD uh, in class. And that was kind of my extent of familiarity because when I was in high school, I, for the most part, had figured out kind of how to get accommodations and communicate with my teachers, but I also didn't have the formal chronic illness diagnoses until I was a senior and almost out of that place. So for things like chronic illness related, I mean, there are chronic illnesses that don't necessarily get you in the hospital or having to have a lot of absences for testing and for procedures, et cetera. So like ADHD is a mm -hmm. chronic illness that would fall under that, but like things like lupus or things that require more intensive medical treatment, how do, what accommodations are there that, or modifications that you guys provide? So there's a couple of ways that you can um, receive services under special education with these diagnoses. If your parents deem that they would like you assessed for special education, um, then you would be assessed. And if you would qualify, you would receive what's called an individual education plan or an IEP. Sure. Love an IEP. Now, that is only done through the, the local education agency, which is a public school. Sure. So if a student were to attend a private or parochial school, they would still have to go through the public school to receive that IEP. We know a lot of private schools do what they call ILPs or individual learning plans, and those are great, um, especially if they're followed with diligence, but they are not legally binding. And that is the, the key issue that <laughs> I am familiar with. Uh, so how does discrimination take place in education? Have you well, seen it? Are you familiar? Well, unfortunately, yes, but my job is to do the opposite. That. Yes, right, my right. job is to make sure that discrimination doesn't have a place. So if you education. weren't doing your job, um, what, like, can misunderstandings with teachers and students? Oh, absolutely. It is a mindset thing. Well, let me go back a little bit first, because sure. I want to explain the other way that you can get oh, so accommodations. Yep. So, so bossy and like to take that's over. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I love me an assertive girl. Um, and I teach and then you love that grammar um, <laughs> anyway so an IEP would be going under educational laws okay the thing with an IEP that a lot of people don't realize is that it stops it ends at college graduation or the age of 21 whichever comes first I did not know that so if you have an IEP once you graduate high school that IEP is done it's over oh wow yeah <laughs> so that is one thing that a lot of people don't understand since it is under educational law now, another avenue to receive accommodations, if an IEP were not appropriate or if there is a diagnosis and we don't have a need for an IEP, then there is the Americans with Disabilities Act. And through that law, which is a civil rights law, you can receive a Section 504 plan, which we're familiar with. Yes, I did not realize the whole difference in the, I guess I thought they were kind of one and the same. Nope, and they two are two totally different laws. So a Section 504 is under the Americans with Disabilities Act, and it is a civil rights law. 
Okay. It is not educational law. Although educational agencies have to follow it if a student has that. Along with everybody else, which people like to like to forget. <laughs> um, so but, and that does not end at graduation. That is something that can follow you for a lifetime. You can have accommodations on that for college, for employment, sure. for, for whatever your needs are. So how does an ADA accommodation in education present itself? Like, what are examples? Of you know, it kind of, as far as accommodations go, they, the IEP route and the Section 504 route um, don't really look that different. An accommodation is accommodation. It is giving the student what they need to level that playing field to help them be successful. The main challenge, you were asking me a little bit ago about what I see in discrimination yes. in education. The biggest challenge I see is a mindset. Okay. that we have to work on shifting, and that is our definition of fair. That, I think, is kind of it in a nutshell. Uh, people have a certain definition of fair, and I, I used to as well. It took me a lot of education, a lot of reading, and a lot of experience of working with these high-needs kiddos that caused me to change my mind shift. I have a brother who's a year older than I am. When we were growing up, my parents were very, very good about making sure everything was fair. Even Steven, right? Mm -hmm. What he gets, I get. What I get, he gets. Or, or you know, yep. equal value, all of that. So we kind of grow up thinking this definition of fair means everybody gets the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's not what fair means. Fair means everybody gets what they need. Sure. And that's a huge difference. I literally had a conversation with a general education teacher last week. I'm working with a kiddo who's... Um, has a lot of trauma, which I'm going to tell you right now, trauma is a big, big, big hidden disability, huge, huge hidden disability. And unfortunately, a lot of our babies have gone through so much that we could not even fathom. You know, I grew up in a loving home. Um, hopefully my children would say the same, but I'm going to say <laughs> my children have grown up in a loving home. I know your family, you have grown up in a loving home. Um, a lot of the people in our little social bubble that we live in, they don't they don't have that huge trauma. Sure. I work with kiddos that have unthinkable trauma in their past and it's and it's ugly and it's horrible and I can't focus on that. What I have to focus on what can I give these babies to level that playing field to help them be successful. So and if we're talking about the previous definition that we talked about of fair that a lot of people have in their minds. It's not fair that these kids have dealt with this trauma. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh, that, that part of the equation is often forgotten. Yes. So I'm so, glad so you brought it up. Also went off on my own little tangent. No. So I'm talking to this teacher about Oh and oh hold on. Let me just interrupt <laughs> you because a big thing that we're focusing on our pilot program is the link that personally we are able to find between traumatic events that You've got your you've got your medical trauma, uh, hospitalizations, IVs. I mean, oh yeah, 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 that's your medical trauma. But there are so many studies that have found that trauma and traumatic specific traumatic events cause chronic illnesses and mm -hmm. autoimmune diseases. And once you have one autoimmune disease, that trauma then creates the likelihood of a succession of autoimmune diseases. So yeah. the yeah. the trauma is so wrapped up in not only chronic illness but the fact that trauma, if it doesn't trigger an immune response, is in itself a chronic illness. Oh, absolutely. There's a huge mind-body connection. And honestly, that is something I'm very fascinated with, but I need to do a lot more self-education on that.
Hi everybody, it's Maddie here, and I wanted to give a shout out to all our listeners. It means so much to us here at the community. We appreciate your support, and I'm so excited for the next couple of podcasts over the next couple of weeks as they all feature speakers discussing discrimination, discrimination in education, discrimination in the workplace, and my personal favorite, dumb shit people say. So I hope you tune in and thoroughly enjoy.